0: Other men, if you didn 't notice the bacon bar in the lobby you 'll make sure you want to hit that on your way out all right but if you didn 't get a card yet, I, I, I picked five of my favorites that I thought that i 'd share with you th- th- this morning let 's go ahead and go to the first one. Thanks for always knowing where the fan blade was. happy Father's Day. Come on, you know some of you guys had close calls. Some of you, like me, you actually met the fan one time. It doesn't feel good. I promise you. Go on to the next one. Um, As far as fathers go, I could have done a lot worse. (laughs) It's true. You may not be the best option, but you're not the worst one out there. Go on to to the next one. I hope this Father's Day is as fun as your life was before kids. (laughs) That's a self-aware child right there. Go on to the next one. Happy Father's Day to my second least embarrassing parent on Facebook. <laughs> that's right, Dads, because we don't know how to use Facebook, do we? All right, and, and then I think we, is that the last one? And Dad, as you suspected, you were right about everything. There you go. Yeah, that's the card that dads really want on Father's Day. Maybe not the one they need, but it's at least the one that they want. Uh, today, uh, be, before we dive into the topic, if it's your first week here in a while, we've been on a series that's called How to Neighbor. And we're going to continue on that today, but over the last three weeks, we've talked about the fact, you know, there's this crucial verse that, that Jesus identified. These are the most important of the commandments. Love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, all your strength, all your soul, all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. But then the question becomes, okay, if I have to love my neighbor as myself, who is my neighbor? And during the first week, we looked at the fact that our neighbor, you know, that, that we cannot allow any concepts of race and segregation to keep us away from other people because we are all designed in the image of God. It doesn't matter what color your skin is. It doesn't matter what color your hair is. It doesn't matter what color your eyes are. It doesn't matter what color your toothbrush is. We are all created in the image of God. And, and, and our neighbor might be from a very different culture than us, and that is not an excuse for us to treat them any differently. But we are to love them because God has placed worth and value, and they are not really any different than us. And we talked about that the first week. The second week, we talked about that our, our neighbor, that we are called as the church to impact the lives of those who have less than us, of those who would be considered poor. And then we're not supposed to go and save them and rescue them, but we're supposed to serve them and help them have a hand up as they progress towards the life that God has in front of them. During week three, we talked about our calling to the lonely to those who are isolated, have been isolated or are isolating themselves, that we have a calling as a church to go and impact their life. And kind of in connection with fatherhood today, we're looking at the scriptural call that Christians in the church has to have an impact on the fatherless, uh, on those who, who are orphans. Because the fact is, in our culture today, there's a fatherhood epidemic Any given day throughout the year, there are over 400,000 children who are in the foster care system. Over 400,000 parents who have taken their hands off because of substance abuse, because of lots of different situations. And so we have this epidemic of people who don't have an active father figure in their life. And there's, there's different speculation about reasons for this, and there's lots of contributing factors, but I will tell you this one truth, that God desires us to understand him as a father. I mean, over 165 times in the Gospels alone, the comparison is made to God being like a father. In the Pauline epistles, over 40 times, the Apostle Paul writes to the church and he compares God to a Father. And so in our culture, when this breakdown in understanding, when we say, Father, so many people have a negative connotation in their head, that it's hard for them to connect with God through one of the most central illustrations that are supposed to help us understand God. That God is supposed to be like this figure who loves us, who disciplines us, who provides for us. But so much in our culture, that role has been abdicated. And so this whole concept of God as a father, it can be a struggle for many because even us sitting in here today, we didn't have a great experience with our father. And in reality, we know that God has a certain picture of what a father is supposed to be like. I was here with some other people from Gulfside, and we were helping the school out, cleaning the back room for them. And it was while school was in session, and there were five students from the theater department that there were were there helping us and somehow the issue of fatherhood came up and and one of the the people who worked at the school asked the question that i would not be bold enough to ask hey how many of you kids have both parents at home like how many of you guys and like one kid out of the five like shyly almost almost embarrassed it's like my parents are still married and the other four kids looked at him like that's weird (laughs) but it's such an issue And the interesting thing about it is, I, I believe that what, I, what God has called us to as men, and I'm going to speak specifically to the men for just a moment, but women, this is important for you to understand because this is the type of guy that you want to have around you in your life. Um, I, I, we're going to look at a passage and we're going to talk about this truth that, that men are called to fatherhood. Now listen, you may not have biological kids, but, but I believe that you're called to fatherhood because you're called to set the example of what a man is supposed to live like. And one of one of the guiding passages for this is found in Psalms eighty-two, three, and this is for both men and women. When, when the psalmist writes and says, "Defend the weak," and we'll put this on the screen as I re- read it, "Defend the weak and the fatherless, uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed." This is from Psalms eighty-two, verse three. Defend the weak and the fatherless. There there are very clear instructions to the church. There are very clear instructions to followers of God throughout Scripture, and we're going to look at four different passages today that tell us that we are supposed to take an active role in caring for those who would be deemed as fatherless, or those who would be deemed as orphans. And one of the first things that we're told is that we are to defend them, that we're supposed to uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed. And there, there might be something within us that says, you know, I didn't, I didn't have the fun, I didn't have, any, I didn't have anything to do in that child's life with, with what put them in that situation, and so I shouldn't have anything to do with fixing that situation. There, there might be a sort of thing of like, that's not my direct family, so that's not my direct responsibility. There might be this kind of feeling that, that pops up within us, but I want to tell you as a follower of Christ, we have the clear instruction that we're supposed to care about their needs, that we're supposed to defend them And the truth is, whenever a child is in the foster care system, they didn't have anything to do with their situation either. They didn't have a voice in the type of home that they were born into. They didn't have a voice into the type of addiction that their parent had. They didn't have a voice into the loss of life or changes in situations that led them to be in the foster care situation. And so them kind of like us, it wasn't a choice we made. It wasn't a choice they made. But God has clearly said, this is a calling that the church has. This is something that we have to move towards and specifically men, we we are called towards taking action in this, and and because of the epidemic of fathers that have kind of stepped out of their responsibility, there's this vacuum that needs to be filled, and the followers of Christ who are men, we have an obligation to step up, and there's lots of different ways. This isn't just about being a foster care parent or adopting, though that, that is definitely something that when God puts it on your heart, it's such a huge need. And it's such a beautiful thing when we see the church of God step into this. But there's lots of different ways that we fill this. And I know this because in my own life, I grew up with a father who was gone for most of it. And as a young child, I can remember looking at other men because there was this question inside of me that asked, What is a guy supposed to be like? What is a man supposed to be like? And so young kids who are growing up around you, who their father figure is missing, for whatever reason, they're looking around saying, what is an example that I can look towards? And and as a kid, I remember it was my Uncle Ray. I actually have a picture of him from when I was a kid. Um, You can see he has big, goofy glasses and a big, goofy mustache. I mean, it was the the 80s, so the mustache and the, you know, cheerleading shorts were in at this time. Um, But my my Uncle Ray was one of those guys that, you know, when, when you're with him, you felt safe. Like, he wasn't, he wasn't afraid to correct somebody. He, he would definitely speak up, but he was the type of guy that, that he was fun to be around. And not only that, he worked hard at his job. They called him Ray the Fan Man because he was installing fans at this point of life. And he worked hard, and so he provided for himself. And I loved that, too because i could tell you know the things that he had there are nicer because he worked hard and i remember this one trip uh, my family my dad was a commercial fisherman so we had a fishing boat and so our family all loaded up on the boat and we went down to the keys and we were by Dry Tortugas and we anchored probably like 200 yards off off of shore there and we were all going to swim in, and, and you know the expectation was, okay, it doesn't matter that you're five, you're going to swim in on your own, 200 yards, you'll be fine. And as I'm swimming, man, I just start to tire out. And I have a little life jacket on, you know, they're, they're not crazy or responsible. But my Uncle Ray just kind of swam under me, put his back under me, and just like let me surf all the way to shore. And even as a little kid, I remember thinking, who does this? Like, th- this is enough work on its own, but like he's just like... He's just carrying me in. And I remember thinking, man, I want to be that kind of a man when I grow up. But how many kids are growing up and they don't have anyone like that to look up to? I mean, I think our church has done a really good job of providing a safe place for single moms to come. We've got a number of different single moms that come here and they bring their kids here every week and they come alone. Some of them are married, but their husbands just don't want anything to do with it. And some of them are separated. Some of them are divorced. Some of them were never married. But they found this to be a safe place. But when those kids come here, this is one of the only times during the week where they can look around and find a man that might be setting a good example for them. You know, being involved in the children's ministry here, it's important. It's important that it's not just the women that are back there. Because this is an opportunity that we have to influence. And when I say that, you know, men, were called to fatherhood that I understand that you may not have any biological kids, but you are called to exert influence and provide an example for the young men that are growing up around you so that they know how to live, so that they look at someone and have aspirations, that this is someone who stands up for other people. This is someone who provides for their household. This is someone who's safe to be around. This is someone who defends the cause of others. We're called to live like that in front of young people. We're called to teach them that the way that you treat women, it matters. Because if they just learn their lessons about how a man is supposed to treat a woman from the media, (laughs) I mean, you know, it's one of the reasons why so many young women are treated like consumable goods. And they need to have men in front of them that are teaching, this is how you treat a lady. This is what's expected out of a man. The way that we live, church, it matters. Men, the way that we give young people access to our life, it matters. Children who don't have access to a good male role model, they need the men of God to step forward in our city. And this is why children's ministry, you know, is so important. But this is also why youth ministry is so important. We, we as a church, we have had some amazing volunteers who have stepped forward and made our youth ministry start happening, and it's been meeting in a house, but we're about to take a huge step forward. We're, we're, we're about probably a week away from being able to hire a youth pastor, which is going to be such a huge step in the life of our church. But I want to tell you, there's some churches out there that they've, they've actually said this, we don't have a youth ministry because that's the role of a father. And a father should be discipling the children. And I want to tell you, that's true within a Christian household, but what about the fatherless? It's so crucial that we push youth ministry forward in our church and in this school and in this part of the city because there are so many kids that are growing up without a Christian father in their home. And so they don't get that anywhere else. They don't get the gospel in the language they they can understand. And I'll tell you, kids who are from Christian households, they need it too because they need to learn to minister to their peers where they're at right now in their life. They need the gospel broken down into pieces that are applied to what it's like to be a teenager right now in life. And so youth ministry is tremendously important, in my view, in this church because we have to teach these teenagers what it looks like to be a man, what it looks like to be a woman, who's living out a real faith. There's too too many fatherless kids. There's too many fatherless children that are raising up and they need the example of what a man is supposed to be. You can't defend the weak. You can't uphold their cause. You can't help provide the needs of the fatherless if you don't have access to them. And so men, I just want you to begin to ask, where am I giving access to, to a young person at? And I understand there's different seasons within our life. Some, some, sometimes right now, you know, the main people that I'm giving access and need to give access to are my own biological children because they're still in the house. But in different seasons and different age groups, uh, we, we have someone who is, would be considered of the retired age who's working with the youth ministry. We have someone who's a young parent working with the youth ministry. We're going to have some people working with youth ministry who don't have kids yet. And we all have something to offer but if we don't give these young people access to our life, then we don't have the ability to influence them. And some of you guys, you know, when you think of, especially the foster care system or taking up the cause of the orphan, you know, you, know, it, you might feel like it's egotistical for me to say, hey, this kid's dad isn't around, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step in and be a father to them. That's not what it's about. You just might need to say to yourself, you know, I want to do what I can to encourage this child. I want to do what I can to encourage this young person who desperately needs the example of what a man is supposed to be. This is, this is part of our job as the church. I mean, the, the, the second point that I want us to, to realize is that the church is called to look after the fatherless. This is a calling that we have. Our calling isn't just to have Sunday morning services together. Our calling isn't about having great music or entertaining preaching or a nice building to meet in. That's not our calling. Our calling is what happens throughout the week. And part of what Scripture says is our calling is looking after the fatherless. And in fact, it says it's one of the, the most important parts. James one twenty seven is the verse that we'll project on the screen right here. And it says that religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. You know, pollution from the world is very much the put-yourself-first mentality. Look out for number one, baby. Like get, get what you want. Get the rest that you want. Get the things that you want. Make it about you because this is your life and it's about you. I and mean, that's what pollution from the world looks like. But caring for the widow, caring for the orphan, it looks like I'm putting someone else's needs before my own. And, you know, our, our city... Even to the people who are anti organized religion, even to the people who are anti Christianity, when they look and they see the church caring for the orphan, caring for the fatherless, they look at it and they say, That's what a church is supposed to do. I don't even like church, but I like that they do that. But you know who likes when the church does that even more? Our Heavenly Father. Scripture calls it pure and faultless religion when we care for the orphan and the widow in their distress. This is so close to the heart of God. And when, when you kind of call back to memory that 165 times in the Gospels alone that God is compared to a father I mean, it's natural. He says, these children that are without fathers, I am their father, and I want you guys to care for them. I mean, you, you can see, when we call back to the passage that we've looked at during almost every week of this series, that Jesus says, whatever you do for the least of all the other people, it's as if you do it to me. Caring for the orphan, caring for the fatherless, is so close to God's heart. But I understand it's, it's difficult. It's messy, We don't like to look at it because the fact is, if I were to put a bunch of pictures up in front of you of orphans and tell you their names and tell you that they're a mile from you right now, it would be hard on your heart to just say, I'm not going to do anything. But the the thing we have is, oh, I'm just so busy. I don't have space. I don't have time. It's too costly. But I don't see too many promises in scriptures of our life as supposed to feel easy. I mean, the burden, he says, he'll make light. But the burden is still going to be a burden. It's going to be a take up your cross daily and live. It's going to be pour your heart and your life out to honor God in the way that you live. I mean, that's the calling that scripture puts on the church. And I, and I think that we can connect that suffering, that, that, that difficulty, that, that we're going to sacrifice part of our life to serve others. I believe that we can connect that too. That's what it's like to care for the orphan. There's cost to it. But I'd say there's also tremendous blessing. So what, what I ha- want to do and what I've done is I actually want you guys to hear, and I understand this isn't the calling that's on everyone's life, but I know that God is developing and working through this calling in some people in our church And we actually have a couple in our church who just had their first foster placement this last week. But I want to introduce you to a family that has been involved with foster care for um, a little while. Will you just join me in welcoming to the stage, Janine and Gary Burns. Um, Janine and Gary, will you just tell us a little bit about your family's experience as you guys have stepped into the foster system and as God's kind of called you into that?
1: Yes. Yes. So that's the family back there. Um, I wanted to start by letting you know that in 2018 to 2019, there were 10,501 children in foster care. There are 740 of those still waiting for a forever family. They're available for adoption. We had about 750 kids just in Lee County and only 276 homes. There's not enough homes to go around. Um, This is my husband, Gary. You see him playing guitar. I'm Janine. And that is the reason that we're able to foster, because our children have helped. They say it takes a village. It definitely does. Um, You're going to watch pictures of all the foster kids we've had in our home. And um, if you recognize them, if you know them from school, please be discreet. Um, This morning, we woke up with nine children. Other days, we might wake up with 11 or just seven. But each day, the dynamic can change. I just this week had someone in daycare say to me, do you have any real children? And I was like, "Um, yep, nine. And she said, no, 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 I mean your own children. And I said, yep nine (laughs) and she said no I mean biological children and um, one of the things that we try not to do is to differentiate of course unless I'm in the store and one of them starts acting up and then I want to go not my fault it's a foster kid but um, (laughs) normally we try not to we don't do that but we do not try to differentiate between the foster kids and the adopted kids and the biological kids because they're all our kids and they all are our heart every child deserves love and every child desires it. I'm going to try and do this without crying. (laughs) Um, We've had 22 cases in six years of foster care. Um, We've had 45 children grace our doors, and only three of them have stayed. Um, People say to us all the time, I would get too attached. I can't do it. Well, we do. (laughs) We do. Our kids do, that our extended family does. And it hurts every time they leave. Um, but we're the adults, and they're just children who are in need. We may be the only ones that ever love them properly, and we may be the only reason they've ever seen Jesus. Um, In our six-year journey, we have tried to keep sibling groups together. You'll see plenty of sibling groups up here. Um, Because just imagine you're a child, and you're removed from your family, dysfunctional family, but it is your normal you're taken away from your home, you're taken away from your parents, you're taken away from everything you always have known, and sometimes separated from your siblings, those siblings are the only other people in the world who understand what those kids are going through in that moment. And that is why we try to keep siblings together, even if we pack out every corner of our house. Um, they're put into a new home, they are given new parents, sometimes they don't look anything like us, they've been given new siblings a new way of life, new rules. Just imagine you being that child and how scared you are. As an adult, you can handle that. As a child, they have a really hard time doing that. They're confused. We've had one child in our home that continuously asked me every day, when am I going home? When do I get to go back to my mom? When am I going home? And in the same breath, he would say, if my mommy can't get me back, will you adopt me? They're confused. You can be single, you can be married, You can be a stay at home mom, dad, um, or you can be a dual income family. It doesn't matter who you are, you are able to foster or help out the foster care system. Our house is busy, our house is loud, um, but it's full of laughter. And I wouldn't trade it for anything. People tell us you can't change every child, you can't change the world. By doing this, if we help one child, it might not change the world, but it would change her world, and that is what matters. We don't do it for the accolades. We don't like hearing the accolades. Um, We aren't awesome. Tell me I'm awesome when I'm locked in the bathroom with children screaming outside of it, and I'm praying to Jesus, get me through one more minute before I kill one of them. And I'm saying, I just want to quit. And it happens (laughs) almost daily. (laughs) It happens. Um, Every year we say we can't do it. We cannot go through this anymore. (sighs) Every child that goes home that hurts, we say we're not going to do it again. We can't go through this again. Just last September, many of you know this, um, we had two little girls we'd had for almost two years. We were told we were adopting them in November, and in September, those two girls went for a visit with their mother, and we got the call, they're not coming back. We had no notice. They didn't have their clothes. We didn't get to say goodbye, and it hurt. That was some of the worst. I have felt in all of my life. And I said to my agency, we said to each other, and I told God, uh-uh, it's not gonna happen to us again. But then God called. God considers it, just like Paul said, the purest faith to look after our orphans and our widows. He doesn't say if you have time, he doesn't say if you have money, he doesn't say do you have space, he says. It's the purest faith to do that. Does that mean that every one of you out here has to be a foster parent? No, there are other ways to help and I've outlined a ton of ways to help out there. At the Welcome Center, there are some flyers. If you wanna look into that, um, there you can mentor a family that's been reunified, you can mentor teenagers that are in foster care, you can help tutor teenagers can actually babysit for the Bright Futures Scholarship. It counts as hours if you babysit for a foster parent. Um, You can give donations. You can become a guardian ad litem. There's many different opportunities. Um, Okay, go ahead. Come on out. If you have ever thought of foster care in your life... Hey, buddy. Here and Mommy is just worth it. If you've ever thought of foster care in all of your life, it might be the Holy Spirit prompting you. So pray about it. Ask questions. Go to a meeting. But don't let the Holy Spirit pass that. Don't pass up the Holy Spirit's calling for you. The bottom line is, it is a calling. And when God calls, he doesn't tell us it's going to be easy. He doesn't make your path straight. It is not normal all the time. Um, All he asks us to do is say yes. Jesus himself was born in a barn because people told him no over and over and over again. These guys are why we say yes. Foster care has been one of the hardest things we've ever done in our lives, but it is definitely one of the best. Thank you.
0: The fact is that, you know, God has called men, you know, to be an example of what a father is. But God has called everyone to be part of a family. Every child is designed to be part of a family. You are designed to be part of a family. And for some people, that looks like being a foster parent. Uh, for, For some people, it looks completely different. I wanted you to hear from them and see because some of you guys are on that path and, and you needed the encouragement that adoption, that, that, that foster care, that, that's where he's taking you. I wanted some of you guys to hear because you have the opportunity to help a foster parent in some way. You have the opportunity to help provide the needs for kids who are in that system. And, and I wanted the reminder that, that this is here in our city. This is happening every day. And Janine put together some really practical opportunities that's out on the, the Next Steps table uh, that, you, that you can help. And it's from everything from something that you could buy and donate to a way that you could spend an afternoon once a month helping, helping out these families that are ministering to these kids 24 hours a day. And, and it takes a lot of people to work together to make this work. And first of all, you know, you're, part, you're supposed to be part of a family. And like I said at the beginning, that God has compared himself to a father. And our heartbeat as a church isn't just for foster care. Our heartbeat is that these kids will grow up knowing the Lord. Our heartbeat as a church is that you would have a close relationship with the Lord because he wants to be as close to you as a good father should be. Let me read this passage to you from Ephesians 1, chapter 5. We'll project this on the screen. And it says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. You know, we support adoption because we were adopted into God's family. And if you're here today and you're saying, I need to get my faith right, I need to begin my faith, then what scripture teaches us in Romans 10.9 is that if you, bel- if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There's a belief in your heart that there's a statement that is associated with saying, this is where my heart is. And then from that point, God says, you are my child and I am your father. And that's the beginning of our relationship with God. But God doesn't just give us a relationship with him. He gives us a relationship with the church that when you make that decision, you're supposed to be connected in with other people who are going to do life with you. And so what that means is that there should be people who come around families like the Burns and say, this is an awesome ministry that God's given you. I want to help you as much as I can as I pursue God's other callings on my life. But I see this need that you're filling and I want to help. And as being part of the church means when you're going through a tough time, other people are supposed to come along you and say, I see what you're walking through and I want to be connected to this. I want to help. And the church is supposed to be this family, that we've all been adopted into this family together. And so together we take up this cause that Psalms chapter 68, verses five through six says, that that God is a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling, that God sets the lonely in families, that God sets us into families, which means we're receiving new family members all the time. And as we find someone, we wanna bring them in and let them know that they're loved. And so this is one part calling of saying, this is what you're called into, but this is one part of a joy that we get to share of saying, you know, people in the city, we want to invite you in. Your heavenly father is inviting you in. The church is inviting you in because he has a love to share that's greater than anything else we've ever known. Band, if you guys will make your way back up, we're going to close this out. And so, for you personally, have you received God's invitation to join the family? If you've been around church, but it's never really penetrated your heart and your understanding that there's a choice that you have to make, then I encourage you to make that choice today, to say yes to God. I love how the passage said, "Bring us to himself through Jesus Christ, this is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. God takes great pleasure and his child coming home. Across the nation, there's over 400,000 kids in foster care on any given day. The good news is there's around 400,000 churches in America. And it seems like if the churches across our nation would say yes to God as the Holy Spirit prompts and says, hey, you have a part to play in this. As the church says, I'm going to do things to support and make this easier for people who are foster parents. It seems like the church in America could make a huge change in this generation that's growing up without a father. I believe God has called our church to be part of the answer to the problem of fatherlessness in Lee County. But in the way that God speaks to you personally, Will you respond? As God puts it on your heart personally to do something to help in some way. Question remains, will the church respond? Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would find us faithful. That as you speak something to our heart, that we would respond, that we would have courage, that we would have bravery to step into whatever it is that you're saying. If, you're, if you've had it on someone's heart to adopt, we pray that you would strengthen that calling. If you've had it on their heart to be a foster parent, that you would strengthen that calling. If you put it on our heart to support and mentor or give or whatever it is, we just know that there are children in our city that need help and that you have called the church to be the answer to this issue. So Father, find us faithful. Give us courage, and we will obey whatever it is you speak to our heart. In Jesus' name.